Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Shan. Good afternoon. And today we're discussing Chapter 35 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. In Chapter 35, Sir Thomas persuades Edmund to talk to Fanny about Mr. Crawford. Edmund tries to plead Mr. Crawford's case. Fanny says no. Edmund comes to the conclusion, incorrectly, that it's because it's all new and Fanny needs a chance to get used to it. But he does want her to eventually accept Mr. Crawford. He is still enthralled by Miss Crawford and Fanny is threatened with a visit from her. Sir Thomas was most cordially anxious for the perfection of Mr. Crawford's character, showing that he knows nothing of Mr. Crawford's real character. He hasn't had a chance to see it, has he? He wishes him to be a model of constancy. But here's the contradiction. He fancies the best means of effecting it would be by not trying him too long. (laughs) We really want people to be, but you just don't want to tempt fate. Edmund could not bear to be denied Fanny's confidence. He loved her too well. Denied her confidence. Could not bear it. He does realise she's very important to him. And this is the first time she's ever really withheld her confidence or affection from him. It almost seems to be saying that he feels entitled to her confidence, though. The denied word? Yes, he can't really understand why. I mean, the whole point is that nobody can. He doesn't understand that she still sees Mary and Henry in quite a different light. Fanny, estranged from him, silent and reserved, was an unnatural state of things. Let's be honest, if he was even thinking of her as a younger sister, then he would still feel the same way. He would still miss her sense of confidence, because that's a fragmentation of a sibling bond. He's not obviously felt close to any of his other families, so he does really feel it. You know what it made me think of? When women give men the silent treatment because they feel like they're denying them something Uh, yes and men do not care but here Edmund very clearly feels it Fanny is not purposely giving him the silent treatment she is just reserved and worried what he will say and think about it so she's not giving him the opportunity without him having to come out and find it Sir Thomas persuades Edmund to go and talk to Fanny, up to the point of saying, she's at a walk right now, you can probably go find her. So he trots off (laughs) to do his father's bidding. Edmund says to Fanny, I consider Crawford's proposals as most advantageous and desirable. If you could return his affection, you have done exactly as you ought in refusing him. But... (laughs) He's the only one that said that to her so far, though. Yes. What he says makes total sense. She says to him, I thought you was against me. And I've put a question mark against that, whether this is to do with her level of education, that she's slipping into a grammar that doesn't work, or whether this is a historic thing that it feels like it's said wrong. But it did bring to mind Lucy Steele. I remember her particularly saying was instead of were, to highlight the fact that she was less educated than the Dashwood sisters. I think it's more likely to either have been a historical style of speaking or writing or a typo. And the reason for that, why I don't agree with your concern, though I can see why you're coming up with it, is this in no other place, no part of the book, has she ever demonstrated anything but good breeding. 
that's just very true. So Edmund says he agrees with her, to a point, right? Then he says, let him succeed at last, Fanny. Then you will be the perfect model of a woman which I have always believed you born for. He agrees that she is upright and disinterested, but when she accepts him, she will prove herself grateful and tender-hearted. Makes you want to scream at him, doesn't Mm. it? Mm. (laughs) I do want to scream at him, and this must be incredibly painful for Fanny. This is her love, telling her to go and marry someone else. And Jane Austen doesn't really clearly state it, but because we're aware of Fanny's feelings, we can read into her words more of how she's feeling. It says she was guarding against one evil. The evil she was guarding against was Edmund realising that she's in love with him. She has to be so careful this entire conversation, even though she says he will never succeed with me, she has to backtrack and say, I think, because she cannot point out, no, it's you, it is only you. Edmund thinks that she must wish to love him. It's a natural wish of gratitude. Gratitude is a fair feeling, obviously, for women to be offered marriage in those days, to not be on the shelf, and particularly so for someone in her situation. It sits very uncomfortably with us. It does, because it puts her in a subservient role. But they are. They're chattels, remember? Still chattels. And we were talking about this as we were reading, that Sir Thomas wants her to express something to Mr Crawford to give him hope, but she cannot turn around and say, I've changed my mind, I want to marry you. Mr Crawford has to propose again in order for her to say yes. It would be unseemly of her to go to him and say, I've decided I want to marry you. All she can do is when he comes to say goodbye is to show disappointment at his departure and wishes for his soon return. So she can show him encouragement in her words as he leaves. She can't say, all right, I'll marry you now. Recently, I have asked men if they like to be approached by women. Most men say yes, it's great when a woman shows that they're interested. But there are a couple of people that even if you just use the word approach without adding any further information around that, they think it's too forward. All she might have done was come up and say hello to you. But still, for some modern men, that's too forward. Intimidating. Edmund thinks that Fanny and Henry have moral and literary tastes in common. Perhaps literary, but he has no idea about the moral vacuum, valley, gulf, gulf, abyss, canyon. Fanny says, I cannot approve of his character. No. At the time of the play, I received an impression of him which will never be got over. She has finally said it so clearly. But he didn't see it. Edmund didn't really see it. He was too busy flirting with Mary in the other end of the room. He goes back to self-flagellation around that period in time. We were all wrong together, but none so wrong as myself. Miss Crawford's power was all returning. Then, Edmund goes into what I think we would call victim-blaming now. He says, I hope I do justice to my sister's good qualities, but they might be more desirous of being admired by Crawford and show that desire rather more unguardedly than was perfectly prudent. I remember they were evidently fond of her society, and with such encouragement, a man like Crawford, lively, and it may be a little unthinkingly, might be led on. Yes, that is victim-blaming. 
The reality is, he was the gentleman, and in this society, he knew that he should have actually put some distance. And he did it quite well with Julia, after all. Eventually. When he realised that he was at risk. So he was quite capable of managing his behaviours and managing and manipulating those about him. But he chose not to. He has not thought at all upon serious subjects, Edmund admits. But I know he will make you happy. How? (laughs) And this is the worst bit. But you will make him everything. Which, of course, is probably quite right. But it is not the reason she should be marrying him. There's a great YouTube series of Mansfield Park, a modern one called From Mansfield with Love. And the character in that says, it is not my responsibility to make Henry Crawford a better person. But that's what Edmund's asking. You will make him a better man. It would be her responsibility if she was truly in love with him and married. In the sense of what you always do with your spouse, you try to bring out the best in them. You don't try to encourage the worst in them. Just as you try to be the best for them. But in this instance, she shouldn't be choosing to marry him because it will make him a good man. She should not be forced into that situation. It actually does smack of the fact that, I think subconsciously, Edmund realises he's not actually a good, constant man. That he wants him to be, that he believes him to be. He's into self-delusion there. Partly because of Miss Crawford. Yes. Who he's talked to about this. And she is angry with Fanny. But her heart is made for love and kindness, not for resentment. Poor boy. He is so lost. He is completely lost. And again, this is another one where Fanny knows Mary. Fanny has been privy to comments from Mary which are not exactly loving and quite inappropriate. I love this line from Fanny, and in particular it reminds me of a line in Emma. I think it ought not to be set down as certain that a man must be acceptable to every woman he may happen to like himself. That's a good line. Emma says something similar in Emma. Basically, we shouldn't have to say yes to every man that asks. Every man shouldn't expect us to be saying yes. But this is what they're saying to her. A man has said, you're acceptable, therefore you should be accepting him. Hmm. Again, because that you're the subservient, the superior being has granted you acceptability. Why are you not taking it? I was going to compare him to Mr. Rushworth, and I think in that it's actually quite fair. As far as they've all seen... Henry Crawford has brains, he has breeding, he has intelligence. He is a much better man. He obviously does look after his estate and defers to his uncle. He thinks kindly, you know, for what we may think of his uncle, but he does think of him kindly. It's an honourable trait to have respect. Everything that they know, certainly everything that Sir Thomas knows, is he's a good man. Frivolous a bit, yes, but actually fairly he, solid underneath it. He's got everything going for him. He is still young, too. Yeah, and so he has the opportunity to learn and grow. What they haven't seen is he hasn't yet had the opportunity to learn to resist temptation. Fanny also points out that the higher his deserts, the more improper for me ever to have thought of him, which everybody else is ignoring. Had she been in love with him and he not proposed and she'd weeped all about it. They would have brought it up. How do you even think of such a man? But because he has proposed to her, and he has decided that she is worthy, she should hop too. Edmund bringing Miss Crawford's liveliness up in the argument was a bitter aggravation to Fanny. 
also because she has nothing to push back against. No, because she knows she's not a lively person. She asks about the Miss Owens, which is very interesting. I wonder if she's thinking again of the conversation she had with Mr. Crawford. Edmund refers to them as good-humoured, unaffected girls, but they will not do for a man who has been used to sensible women, which is a little bit condescending. He obviously does not find it condescending, but when we look at it now, they're nice women, they're good, they're modest, all the good things, but you and Miss Crawford are smart. I can talk to you people on broad subjects. Completely ignoring the fact that women were raised with a limited education because men did not want them to be too smart. And how many of them would have had the opportunities for a broader education? She did because she read and she talked and discussed things with Edmund. So he had this opportunity to open up with her about things that he was studying. And Mary would have been much more worldly because of her background. I noticed that he doesn't mention his sisters. And Fanny's education has earlier in the novel be compared to her sisters. Their knowledge was remembering things by rote. They were comparing with what they knew now, or then as it were, with what she knew as a 10-year-old coming from a completely different background. Now, there's nothing to say that between those years that she didn't pick up on some of it. She would have known by then her geography and, and a bit of language and things. I'm wondering how she would compare to her cousins now. Probably far, far, far better educated. I think so too. The chapter ends with something else that reminds me of Emma. Edmund leads Fanny back to the house with the kind authority of a privileged guardian, which sounds very much like the relationship between Mr. Knightley and Emma. They both are older than the woman that they marry, Mr. Knightley significantly so, although Edmund is at least six years. He's been to university he has learned a bit about managing an estate. Not as much as his brother Tom, obviously, but he does know the basics, papers and stuff like that, and keeping his father informed. Definitely much more um, mature than his sisters. And his sisters, let's be honest, who would have been exposed to basically Mrs Norris. They would have got nothing from their mother. They had no real opportunities to mature, whereas Fanny, having come from such a different environment... I think it gives her that opportunity to mature that they did not. She did, and she was an elder sister from that environment, so she was already used to responsibility at an early age. She was just a naturally serious disposition, so when she had the opportunity to talk about things she was learning with Edmund, she grasped it with both hands. She had that natural curiosity to keep learning. She learnt ladylike things because she was still reading to Lady Bertram. She was still doing embroidery, doing all the, the normal female activities. While cultivating her while mind. While cultivating her mind. And that is our summary of Chapter 35 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo. Uh, some Jane Austen merch. And some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!